Amen. Say these words with me. In my weakness, say it. In my weakness, he is made strong. All right. So as we step into this today, we're, we're in this new year, this new season, and um, I've been really studying 2 Corinthians. Can I tell you something about the Corinthian church? They were really messed up. I mean, they were messed up people. Uh, going through hardships kind of reminds us of ourselves if we look at it right. I mean, they have to be taught what love is in 1 Corinthians, right? Like, this is what love is. It's patient. It's kind. They have to be told, hey, you can't allow this kind of sin to be in your life. You got to get it out. Then 2 Corinthians, they got to come back and say, hey, you went too far. You got it out, but now you're judgmental. You're not a, you need to get people back and care about them, and let's, let's work on some things. And so Paul's writing to them, and really, I was sharing with my wife even this morning, uh, as he's writing, you almost hear Paul's hurt. In the first few chapters, he's sitting there, and he's talking, and he's like, hey, let me, let me convince you of what God's doing in our lives. Chapter four, we talked about this at our lock-in. We did a survivor lock-in, 31 teens, had a blast. And uh, I, I'm just, I'm, me and Howard and others are celebrating that we can actually still stay up that late as old as we are. But um, we, we were talking to them from chapter four where he's like, hey, we're pressed, we're perplexed, we're hunted, we're knocked down. But then he's like, but we're not destroyed, we're not abandoned, we're, we're gonna make it. He's telling them, hey, life isn't easy. And y'all could probably sing that song, write the script yourself. Then he gets to chapter number five and he's like, you know, like, hey, this body that we live in, like, I'm longing to live in my new body that God's going to give me where life happens and not death, right? Anybody else say, yes, I'm excited about heaven and I'm thankful for that, that one day we'll be there. And, and, and then he, I like this statement. He gets into chapter number six later and he's like, hey, we're not in this big ministry. We don't have this extravagant ministry, but we have sincere hearts. I'm like, oh God, help that be our passion. That it's not about how much we thrive in ministry, it's how much we are in ministry, who we are in it. And so in chapter number five, where we're gonna take our text today, um, we're, we're gonna look at something that Paul puts out that I think is very important in your faith and your development and your growth, very important in mine. And oftentimes it's the hardest thing to do. Um, we live in a very physical world, tangible world, simply meaning this, touch the person beside you. If you can feel that chair, you can feel that person, that means it's tangible, it's achievable. You can see it, you can grab it, it's real. But God asks us to believe more in what we can't touch and what we can't see than he asks us to rely on what we can touch and what we can see. And that goes against nature. It, 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 we, we are planners, right? Who in here is saying, I'm an organizer. I'm a planner. I'm a scripter. Like I, I plan my days. I plan my years. And you know, you've got a, a vision board of where you're going in 2024 and you're putting things in front of you that you want to see. And you know, you're taking snapshots of yourself in the mirror to watch your weight loss or your growth. You're, you're, you're reading books to develop your mind and to go places. And you're, you, you've got somewhere you're going. If you're like, I got none of that, then you're probably going somewhere. It's just downhill. Just telling you that now. All right, you, we're all going somewhere. You got it? Say, so got it. Yeah. Hey, I just want to go ahead, not back. Forward, not behind. I want to grow, not decrease and decline. So while we're doing that, sometimes we get this kind of kryptonite to the Superman in our life, right? We, we, we get this ability to say, well, I'm going to act on the things that I see possible. I'm going to act on the things that I think possible instead of saying what Paul writes here that I think we need to really grab. If you would start in verse number six of this chapter, he said, so we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these earthly bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. That's his desire. 
Matter of fact, can I tell you this? That should be the number one desire of every person here is to get to God. And not just get to God in your devotions, but one day get to God to stand in his throne room and to look at him face to face. I mean, anybody else want to hold the hands that took the nails for you? I mean, anybody else want to actually sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his gospel version, not the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John version? Like, what did you see from the cross? What was the perspective? What was going through your mind? And just to hear his love and, 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 and to actually not just have to hear about it, but to, to get to experience it in real time. That should be our desire. Paul actually writes earlier, he's like, I'm not saying I want to die. He's saying, because I, while I'm in this earthly body, I still have a purpose, but I'm longing for the day I'm there. That should be the goal of all of us. I mean, you shouldn't want to go to heaven for a mansion and streets of gold. And yes, I can't wait to see my grandmother and meet my children that I've not met before. And I know many of you are excited to meet the people that you have lost on this world too. But above that, I just want to see him physically lay eyes on him. Are there any me twos in the room? What a day that's going to be. But then he goes on and he says this, and this is where we'll take our text. Verse 7. For we live by, say it, believing and not by seeing. We live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we would be with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. Oh man, what a word. For we all must stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. I, I was going to give a shout out to Adi right there. There's a verse for you, right? We're going to stand before God, one of our teenagers that's actually seeking God. And I love this. Like, um, and we have a lot of them, by the way. Hey, he comes up to me on Wednesday night and he says, can you give me some scripture on one of the things you said last week? And so we have a conversation about that. And I don't know about you, that excites my heart that we have teenagers that aren't just going through the motion of church, but are actually wanting to learn about God and are willing to say, hey, I can't find that, show it to me. You know, and that's, here it is. I think that last verse needs to be preached again. What you do on this earth does matter in eternity. You know, the only thing that, that a lot of people think matters is do you know Jesus? But there's another thing that matters is what did you do with him? What did you do for him? And what did you do because of him? I mean, I, I'm telling you now, if you truly love the Lord, you do things for him and because of him. You, 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 you as moms and dads, husbands, wives, as grandparents, and, and, and just individuals, there's things that you do in your life for people because you love them, yes or no? There's things you don't even like to do that you do because you love them, that you don't want to do, but you do because you love them. Yes, absolutely. If you know anything about me, I don't like to put my hand in bags that other people have put their hands in and grabbed unwrapped things and eat. Anybody else like that? Here we go. We got Miss Sandy. But every now and then, my daughter will come up to me and be like, Dad, try this. And it'll be a Cheeto on hands that are covered in Cheeto dust. And do you know how hands get covered in Cheeto dust? It's when the Cheeto dust meets the saliva of your mouth. It cakes onto your mouth and to your hands. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And then she'll hold it up and she'll put it to my lips. And at that moment, it's how much do I love her? 
right? Like, I will do this because I love her, not because I want to. Y'all been there, right? You've had your own moments. You get the tissue to wipe the snotty nose. Why? Because you love them. You potty train and you wipe the bottom. Why? Not because you woke up one day of your life and you thought, I can't wait to have kids so that I can change poopy diapers. Nobody thought that. But we do it because we love them, right? You'll take your parents in when they're older. You'll change their diapers. Why? Because you love them. You, you care for people. And when you love somebody, it brings you to action. You do things. And so I think we live in a generation that if we're not careful, we're saying, hey, here's this gift of God, which is great. You need to receive the gift of God. There's no entrance into heaven but through Jesus Christ. And so, yes, you need to do that. But God has an expectation with the gift. It's not an Indian gift where he's wanting it back. He's saying, hey, I'm going to give you this. And because you have this, it should change the way you live. It should change the way you think. It should change who you are. Hey, you're going to sin, but you should not be able to do it without conviction. You're going to fall, but you should not be able to do it without this desire to say, I need to get up. I need to do better. The godly will stumble seven times, but what's the Bible say? They will get back up. But today, we're not going to talk about what are you doing for God. Today, we're going to talk about one word, and that's believing. Believing. Some say seeing is believing, but God says believing is seeing. You believe first, and then you see. So write this down, stay with me. I'm note heavy, and I tell people this all the time. If you can't keep up with your hands, let me know. I put it in digital form. I can simply text it to you or email it to you. Just get with me after, okay? But don't tune me out. Just get your pens. Get what God gives you. I can fill in the blanks later. Got it? Say got it. All right, here we go. Number one, we're going to write this down. We, we must believe in order to see. So let, let's put this down. I've got to believe in Christ as Lord before I can see salvation. Right? I've got I've to believe that God has a plan before I'll see that plan carried out. I've got to believe that our marriages can get better and I can become a better father, a better husband before I'll see that happen. I've got to believe that, that, that God has hope for the lost and cares for the lost before I'll ever be an evangelist of the gospel. And for those that evangelist is a big word, it simply means this, before I'll ever have a boldness to win somebody to the Lord by sharing the gospel of Christ, I got to believe that God loves lost people. And I got to remember that I was one of those. And so were you. I mean, I got to believe God before I'll ever trust him, obey him, or know him. I, I, I've got to believe that there's a better version of me, a God-sized version of me, a God-scripted version of me before I'll ever see that possible. You got to believe you can be skinny before you could ever complete a diet. And when we say skinny, skinny might not mean looking like Cindy and Phil. I mean, their skinny is different than yours. Let's change it and take the word skinny out and say, I got to believe I can be healthy before I can get to health. The problem is, is a lot of people want to see the results before they'll believe in the process. Julie's got a Bible study on this. Just It's a weight loss class that has no exercise involved. That should like triple the attendance right there, right? It's a mindset change. It's a shift in what we believe before we ever see the results. If I believe it possible, the actions will come to make it possible. And today, I think it's important that we realize that in our faith, it's not saying, well, I need proof of God. It's saying, I believe that living this way will bring the proof of God. By doing these things, I will see it. But I believe, truthfully, a lot of us have lost belief in things. 
belief in people. Belief in the, the power of God and what it can do through your life. We were listening to a new song and praise team practice this morning that will eventually make its way out. And um, I'll even put it out there. It's yet by who? Who sings it? King will come. The king will come. Maverick City, I think, gets with them and uh, some others. And I don't know about y'all, but it's a good jamming song. It's really a personal relationship conversation with God. And we're going to rewrite the end and have a conversation with God coming back. And as we were listening to this, it said, your love is an ocean in which my shame drowns. What a statement. Your grace, it's like, it's a rescue, right? Like sometimes we've got to believe that God has counted us righteous so that we can actually see ourselves living in righteousness. That through Jesus, you've been made clean, not through your effort. Through the cross, you've been washed, not through your good works and deeds. By grace, you've been saved. And it's not of yourself. It's a gift. Say it. It's a gift from God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. And when I believe that God can declare me righteous and wash me clean, then it gives me the ability to get up tomorrow and live a little cleaner than I did yesterday. When I can believe that you're going to love and stay by and stand with me, or I'm going to love and stay by and stand with you, no matter who you are, then you can be honest. You can be open. But when, if we believe that God never leaves, he never forsakes. In other words, let's put it in the common term. He's there physically. He's there emotionally. He doesn't abandon us because we act bad. And he definitely doesn't leave us because we get crazy sometimes. He stays with us in physical and in emotional. And he's stable. And if I believe that, then my messed up day does not have to mess up my life. Are you with that today? That you're going to have those weeks, you're going to have those things. And some people, they get me. I, I get hit up with this sometimes where they're like, you're making grace too easy. No, grace was very complicated and mercy is very complicated. But God did the work for grace and did the work for mercy. So he made it easy for me. Now, how many of you like the history teacher? How many of y'all had one of these, by the way? That before the history test did a review day. Come on now. It's the reason you don't remember history. Because what was a review day? I tell you what's on the test day. And if you were diligent enough to take notes on the review day, you could pass the test having never paid attention throughout the rest of the semester. Come on now, I'm not the only one in the room that had that teacher. I remember waking up in history with history words from my textbook on my cheek from my drool had melted the paper to my face. Come on, y'all been there. I was a straight A student in history. Why? Review day. I'm going to tell you this right now. God had a review day on sin, and it's called the cross on Calvary. And on that day, he gave the cheat code to everything you need to pass the test. When it comes for you and I to stand accountable to, to whether or not we deserve the grace and mercy of God, God said, here is the answer. It's one answer. There's one question on the exam. Who can wash away my sins? No one but Jesus. Who can access heaven for me? Nobody but Jesus. Who can conquer hell, the grave, and sin? No one but Jesus. So here's the question. How do I get to God? Come on, give me the answer. Through Jesus. And you say that's too easy. No, it wasn't. It was very difficult. God just made it easy for me and you. Aren't you thankful for that today? 
Now, you might sit there and say, if we preach a grace gospel and you preach these things, then it makes it easier to sin. I always tell people, I use this analogy, if somebody paid off your house, you would not repay them by slashing their tires. That's just not how you repay love. If somebody does something extraordinarily good for you, you spend your life, if you have any decency at all, trying to find ways to make it up to them. How many of you have been there? If somebody loves you, what do you want to do back? Love. If somebody gives of themselves, what do you want to do? Give back. Unless you're narcissist and all about yourself, it's easy to say, I want to bless you because you bless me. We, matter of fact, love him because he first what? He didn't ask. He did. He just poured it out. And when I believe that God loves me, then on the days that I am in weakness, I can stand in strength. And on the days that the weeks have been difficult and I stand W-E-A-K, you can stand strong in who he is. And, and, and you can keep going. You might not be able to sing through a song because at some point you're still trying to believe the words of it. And you're, you're just trying to acknowledge God. You got the moments where you're standing there and you don't know how to be anything but angry, but you still believe that there's a good God that's going to work through these moments. You know, I, I wasn't even going to bring it, but you, my wife passed a baby Monday fully in its sack. And, and, and as she stood there in grace and mercy, matter of fact, the reason I didn't make it through the, the song that I had to leave this morning is because I looked up there. She's got a hand up towards heaven and I've got a broken heart. So does she, she's got this and I got, <clears throat> you ever been there? But the cool thing is, is God doesn't require me to have her faith. He just requires me to have faith. So here we are, we're standing there and she's got the baby in her hand and her perspective is, I didn't get to hold my first three babies, I got to hold this one. And the whole time standing there in this scene, like I am, I'm getting mad. Can we be real? Have you had those moments? Not mad at God, he didn't do this. But then she looks and says, should we pray? And I told her, sometimes I think you should lead and I should just follow because I look at her and my answer is, I can't. It is not that I'm mad at God. It's just I right now am so full of anger. And I don't even know who I'm mad at. I don't even know what I'm mad at. But I, I, I'm 39 years old having a this is not fair moment. But yet still in my heart, I believe that while I'm sitting there watching my wife hold a lifeless baby, God has welcomed a very much alive baby into his kingdom. And in that moment, I don't have the way to say, oh, let's do this. It's like David saying, I can't bring my baby back to me, but one day I can go to him. And many of us in this room, I, I, it may not be the exact circumstance, but as I stood there and I looked at that, I'm like, why can't I have that faith where this is a celebration and instead it's an anger because faith doesn't have to look a certain way or sound a certain way. It's just got to have that even when the days are bad. That's what Paul said. I'm pressed, but I am not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned. You know what he's saying? Life stinks, but I believe God. It's hard, but I trust him. It's important that we believe and we rest in our lives on leaning on his promises and leaning on what we believe about him and not building our lives on what we see. Because can I tell you this? Just because you saw it yesterday doesn't mean you're ever going to see it again. It doesn't ever mean it's going to be the same way. That's why you can't live in your teenage years. Where did these even come from? <laughs> Who did that? You? Man, you could have killed me. I wouldn't have even known it. <laughs> Thank you, though. 
I can't lean on my successes of yesterday, nor can I lean on my failures. I can't lean on what I see right now. Because how many of you would admit with me today that life changes and sometimes it can change very fast? I can't lean on this year's successes and I can't lean on this year's struggles. I can lean on God and trust in him because God is stable even in my unstable life, just like he is in yours. So why is it so important to believe? Write this down if you would, uh, because we act on our belief systems. That's it. It's a one answer question. All right. We act on our belief systems. Something we believe in or someone we believe in literally dictates everything we do. You say, well, I don't know why I did the things I did. You believed in the wrong thing. I don't like the ways that I'm doing things. You're believing in the wrong thing. You're believing in the words somebody said. You're believing in the stories that someone spoke. You're believing in the opinion of another or the circumstances that you see around you. Our belief systems shape everything. How many of you would agree with me that what I believe becomes what I think? By the way, be careful letting someone else dictate what you believe about yourself, what you believe about God. Oh, please be careful letting someone else dictate what you believe about another person. Because people are trying to influence your belief systems for control. And if I can get you to believe a certain way, then I can control. And that's why sometimes if we're not careful, we use our platforms to try to get people to believe in our churches instead of using them to try to get them to believe in God. We'll scare them into, you can't miss, you can't miss, you can't miss. And while you should strive to be at church, there's going to be times you miss. There's going to be times you get sick. And if you think, oh, my faith is weak because I didn't go to church, then we have failed you and created a cult instead of creating a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have this mindset that, well, so-and-so says that DJ's this way, now I believe it. Guess what? You're going to think a different way about him. And when you think away, you act away. And when, when I, I start acting, I'm going to treat him different. You, can I tell you this right now? If you think somebody's mad at you, you will actually sabotage the relationship and the opportunities you have with that person. Have you ever walked into a family reunion or into some setting thinking of what other people's opinions are? Have, how many of you done this? And then you're actually defensive before it ever even gets started. And how many of you have ever played this game? You're not going to speak unless spoken to. And then nobody speaks to you and you leave and you say, no one even talked to me. You know why? You look like a serial killer. You came in blank faced with murder eyes and you sat there with a bad attitude and then you wondered why no one wanted to be around you. And you think, I can't go back there because of how they are. And the truth is, it's not them at all. It's really not even you at all. It's your belief system. You went in with a belief, and it created an atmosphere. I mean, Chris brought up, and God's working on him with a, ser- a sermon on the, the guy by the pool of Bethesda. And it, and it had me thinking, this is the guy that laid there crippled for all these years, waiting on somebody to put him in the water. And, and, and as I was getting, I got in a room, and I was praying, I'm just going to take 30 seconds to myself, uh, write my tide check, and then come out 
for service while Garrett was doing announcements. And, 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 and as I was sitting there and I was doing that, I was thinking about what he had said, and I'm not going to take from what God's putting on his heart because I believe God will bring it out one day. And, 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 and as I was watching, I was like, can you imagine this guy watching so many other people get put into the water, get into the water in front of him? At some point, his belief system had to be, no one cares about me and I am nothing. And because of that belief system, was willing to sit with a front row seat to everybody else's show instead of having a show of his own. Was willing to sit and watch for years, 30 years, watch other people healed and never have a healing. Watch other people get excited. And matter of fact, we know he was bitter. Because when Jesus showed up and said, do you want to get better? He said, I have nobody. I mean, I got no one. No one cares about me. No one sees me. Nobody knows the pain I'm going through. And you know what? He's right. Nobody can experience your life, nor can they experience mine. Our hearts can break for your stories, but we're not living your story. And your heart can break for my story, but you're not living mine. That's why we teach people, never tell somebody I know how you feel because you don't. But the truth is what's happening in my story can change the narrative in my mind about what I believe about you. And then I start isolating myself and holding myself back. And then I start thinking that my life is impossible. And then Satan convinces me I'm the one that God doesn't care about. I'm the one that God doesn't see. Why is believing so important? Because everything you do comes from it. Every reaction, every word spoken. How many of you would be honest with me today? The way you hear comes from what you believe. And if you have a mindset made up, you hear the words of others differently. I have a problem sometimes feeling like everybody's against me. Anybody else ever have that? You know, and I'm not saying that I feel like the world's against me, but I'll have a, a bad day, bad week and all this. And then I just think that everybody is out to get me. Come on, who else has been there? And then you start evaluating yourself, looking at yourself, and you start to pick yourself up. And you know what it is? It's, you don't need to change anything. You don't need to change your clothes. I, I, I told somebody the other day, used to, when I went through emotional crisis, I'd go get drunk. That literally was my life back in the day. Emotional crisis, go get drunk, right? And, and, and lately, even last week, I'm going to be open and honest with you, all right? I, I don't believe we should just have honesty at our altars. I think we should have honesty in our lifestyle. And so I'm going to tell you, like, literally now when I get all moody, I want to go shopping, all right, that's weird. And you, you might think clothes shopping. That's not me. Casey's like, I love your hoodie. I said, my wife dresses me. She doesn't actually put it on me, but she buys what I put on. All right, so that's it. Right? I wore a flannel button-up on a Wednesday night and walked in and got the most compliments on anything I've ever worn. You know why? I never wear it. And they, they're looking at me, and even Tim's like, wow, dude. Mark was like, wow, dude. And I'm like, oh, here it comes. And they're like, it actually looks good. And then I started thinking, are they saying I normally look bad? I mean, I don't know what to think. You know, like... But my wife dresses me. That's what I told him. My wife dresses me. I'm not talking that kind of shopping. I'm, I'm talking the stupid shopping. Like, I like electronics. Anybody else in the room like electronics? I, I like things that go vroom. Like, it's like, I'm starting to believe maybe that midlife crisis is a little bit real, real, right? Like, what would it be like to have a convertible? Well, right now it would be really, really cold and stupid, right? Like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be anything. But you just, you get in that moment. How many of you else, and I'll be honest with you, you might say, oh my goodness, he's materialistic. No, not, what I'm saying is my belief system starts telling me that if I went out and traded my vehicle in, I'd feel better. Right? Come on now. Some of you say, well, I've never thought that about my vehicle. You thought it about your husband 10 minutes ago. <laughs> right? Sorry, probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Should have saved that one for the off-camera second servant. 
But the thing is, is we get in those moments. Come on, say yes if that's you. If I could just do this, I'd feel better. If I had more money, I'd feel better. If I, if I, if I could just go on vacation for a month. Can I, tell, can I tell you what would happen? You would come back broke and jobless with no hope. All right, how many of you realize it's cheaper to eat at home than on vacation? You know why? You eat more on vacation. Well, I still go to the grocery store. I've learned this. Thank God for Tennessee. Other grocery stores are, are higher than even we are. Like how much is a dozen eggs right now? Somebody tell me. I don't do the shopping. Huh? $2.76? A $1.76. Okay, if you need to know what the ads are, come see Peggy after church. She's got it to the thing. I had a, I had a client from, uh, from California get out and um, the door literally got out of the car. This was this past week. The youngest daughter went running to the chicken coop. Like, when I say younger, 16 years old, took off to the chicken coop. And I was like, David? You know, I was like, is that David? No, you know, but David, he, he brought so many egg cartons in this past week for, for our uh, lock-in. I, I looked at Chelsea and I was like, Chelsea, are those all yours? And she just kind of rolled her eyes. And I was like, David needs prayer and celebrate recovery <laughs> for chickens, right? She ran to it. She came running back. She's like, Dad, they have chickens. We're good. I was like, okay. She was like, eggs are like $6.99 a dozen in California. And I was like, thank God for Tennessee. Right? You know, I, I, I've known this to be true. We, we get these mindsets that we think if we live somebody different with a different view. We, we went on vacation. Your groceries are more expensive. It costs more. You eat more. It's there. You, you, you come back. You, you, you have to restart. How many of you have ever taken a week off? What's the worst day after a week off? First day back. Does that make sense? You're actually thinking resignation on the first day back eve. You know, I want to live on vacation. No, you don't. You really don't. You really don't. I'll be honest with you. You know, you, you, you get together long enough with people, and at some point you need a little bit of space, don't you? You know, my, my son, Lincoln, that's the one thing he gets right. He knows his limitations when he is sick of us. And he'll go outside. <laughs> Last night, about 8 p.m., he comes up, I want to swing. I heard Grammy say, get shoes and a coat. For Lincoln, that means flip-flops and a jacket. And so here he comes sockless to the front door. We open it, and for an hour and a half, he sits out there. And then as soon as he is ready to take on our crazy again, he walks back in the door, right? That's just it. Every now and then you need to speak. We get these belief systems that if we were there, it would be different here, and that's not true. If we had that, we would be different here with what we are, and it's not true. The thing is, is I just got to change what I believe in. Do I believe in the voice of God and the word of God that we are called and chosen? A royal priesthood, a holy generation. We are loved and valued. That your son and daughter of the creator of everything. I believe that. And what you have to say doesn't bother me. I don't believe that, and everything you say becomes my Bible. Come on now. Everything I do is based on what I believe. You go to work because you believe, you'll get paid for it. You go to school, send our kids to school. 
I mean, think about the time we sacrifice with our children to work and to send them to school, believing that an education is going to better their lives. We believe, so we act. I believe, so I did. Matter of fact, Hebrews 11, look at this real quick, and I'm going to give you three references, two from Hebrews, one from 2 Corinthians, but Hebrews 11, one says, faith is the evidence or the substance of things that we hope for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. It's like, hey, my faith says I believe, so I do. I don't have it yet, but I believe by doing, I'll get there. I believe by being kind, you'll get kindness back. Say yes or no. Do you believe that if you are generous, you'll, you'll see generosity come your way? Yes. Do you believe that if you're friendly, there's a better chance of people being more friendly with you? Do you believe that if you're open to the opinions of others, there's a better chance that people are going to want to talk to you? Do you believe that if you're willing to learn, you will and you can be taught to be stronger, more developed and equipped than you are right now? If you believe that, then you act on it. And as I act on it, then the evidence of it comes true. I believe first. And so I saw, look at Hebrews 11, verse six, without faith, without believing, it's impossible to please God. Keep reading that with me if you would. And and, and it's just about five verses down from this. It says, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. That's number one. And must believe that he is the rewarder of those who sincerely seek him. So I gotta have a two-part belief system. I gotta believe that God's real, and I gotta believe that God rewards faithfulness. That God rewards good behavior. Matter of fact, write it down. Every behavior gets rewarded, some from God, some from consequences. Everything. Here's the one that I love the most. 2 Corinthians chapter number four, verse number 13 I like how Paul wrote this. He said, I believed God, so I spoke. What a statement. We told our teenagers this. It's like, you know, if you believe in it, you're you're bold with it. If you believe that God can rescue sinners, you have no problem. You have no problem being a volunteer in restoration ministries. You have no problem sitting beside a drunk person in church. You have no problem... You say, I smell a skunk today. They probably smoked a joint on the way in the door. And you're not going to sit there the whole service thinking, well, who do they think they are? You're going to sit there the whole service thinking, I'm glad they are here. Let's love them to Jesus. You know, I, I think if we believed in what God can do in somebody, we would stop trying to change the world and we would introduce them to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. And we would just be a supportive role. I believe God has the power and I have none. So I am glad to play second fiddle to his first fiddle. I am glad to be second trumpet to his first trumpet. That's musical terms. Let's put it this way. I am okay to ride the bench while God plays the game because he's so much better at it than I am. But I'll be there. I don't care. Thank God I got the jersey. I will sit there and cheer him on all the way and believe in what God can do in your life. But if I don't believe in God, I'll never believe in you. If I don't believe in God, I'll never believe in the possibilities 
I'm tired of Christians throwing up the white flag in America thinking that America is done. I'm tired of sermons about if God doesn't judge America, he has to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Number one, God never has to apologize for anything he does. But number two, we're living under grace and it's a totally different thing. I still believe that today there's a revival supposed to be breaking out in America and I want to be a part of that, not the pessimistic crowd that's sitting over there saying, oh, it's only going to tear apart and this and oh, no, no, let's get one more for Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I've started praying every week that God would not give me series. I'm literally praying every week that God would just give me one more sermon. If it's my last one, it's my last one. God, give me something we can pour out. You're saying, are you planning it for it to be your last? No, but I don't know. I'm just kind of praying every week that this might be the week Jesus comes back, right? Like, like, like give me one more. And if you're going to give me one more sermon, give me one more person that we can give hope to. Give me one more person that can see your salvation. Give me one more person that today can walk into church and for the first time in their life, feel like they're safe no matter where they've been. Feel like they belong no matter who they are. Give us one place, God, where we can so encounter you that everything that happens outside of that place doesn't matter, but all all that happens is what is going on in there. All that matters is what you're doing right here. God, help us to have one church service where problems can be forgotten, hopes can be born, faith can be restored, and we can walk out warriors instead of a defeated bunch of people Amen. who believe in what the world can do to us instead of what God has done for us, will do for us, and has already planned for the future. We've said it before, I'll say it again. You're a belief away from your whole life changing. For the better, for the worst. One belief changes everything. So look at this and we'll be done. Let's look at what or who your beliefs affect. Number one, it affects what you think. Number two, it affects what you speak. Number three, it affects the course of your life. Number four, it affects the destination of the journey. Number five, it affects the lives of others. Let's literally sum it up in number six. Your belief system affects eternity. Not just yours. The people around you. If I believe you can be better, I'll give you more. I won't give up. I'll hang in even when it's hard. You know, you'll take the calls of the people that you know talk bad because you believe in what they can be, not what they are. So those of you who are discouraged and having a hard time in your marriage, you'll stay, you'll stay in it because you believe in where it could go. With God, all things are possible. Would you say this? With God, all things are possible. Say it again. With God, all things are possible. I like how that starts. With men, it may seem impossible. There's a lot of things I wonder in my life. I don't want to get to have, stand before God and find out more could have happened if I'd have simply believed him better. I want to get to heaven and realize that what we believed mattered and accomplished a lot, not just here, but there. So here's the main question. What do you believe today? Who do you believe today? Because I promise you what you're believing and who you're believing is going to affect this entire year for you. But you can't affect a year until you let this moment be affected, this day be affected. Our church has vision statements that on July 7th in 2015, God gave us. We penned it. We put it on paper. We prayed over it and believed it to be the calling of our church. 
I was reviewing those. We're in a new year. And in review, it's like two things I ask myself is, what are we seeing God accomplish? And where did we get away from this belief? The number one belief is to create a place with God's help where the broken, hurting, the dirty can find a place of love, acceptance, and hope. To see over 5,000 people come to the Lord. Now, can I just tell you this? We've seen way past that in the history of this church, both in local and global missions. But in there, it went a step further to say, to see them in attendance. We're about a 500-member church, so we're about a tenth of the vision. And you might say, oh my goodness, you're wanting to build a megachurch. No, I, I don't see church only being in one building. I see other places where churches aren't found being started. Small groups and homes. My wife said, hey, we need a small group. And I said, it needs to be one that I do not lead. It needs to be one where we're led together. You say, well, I need something to change in my life. And I, 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 I get tired of this. And I think it's very true. And we need to say this. A lot of people think if I go somewhere else, it'll get better. I told the teenagers now, if you're in a youth group or you're in a church and you start thinking to yourself, this could be better. Don't go find it, create it. Don't go say, God, I'm going to go where that is easy for me. And maybe say, here am I, Lord. Send me right here. You say, well, I, I just, I, I want this and I want that. If God shows you a hole, he has made you a plug. Yeah. And at some point, you got to believe that it's not up to everybody else, that you are capable, you are chosen, you are called, you are equipped, you can get it done. And watch God through your belief. Not just change you, but change so many people around you. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. How many of you would be honest and join me today in a mindset of a shift, a paradigm shift, if you would, saying, you know what, maybe my bad attitude is because I believe in the wrong things right now in this area of my life. How many of you got that? Would you slip your hand up? How many of you got attitude issues today? Let's let's call it that way. My hand is in the air, all right? Um, how many of you would say, you know, I just, I've got some discouragement issues right now in my life. And maybe that discouragement is because you're believing the circumstances more than the God. You're believing the waves more than the one that walks on them. You're believing the storm more than the one that has the voice to comment. How many of you slip a hand up and say, that's me. My belief is in the storm more than it's in the God of the storm. I like how God spoke to Job and he said, where were you when I told the waves how far they could go? and fix their borders on the shore. I love that God can control the storms of my life. But sometimes I forget that. How many of you have gotten more caught up in the losses of your life, whether that be loved ones, financial, job, stability, more than you've gotten caught up in the believing that God will sustain you. God will comfort you. God will be, anybody else say, yes, I believe more in what I'm losing and the God that restores. and with that, Would you slip your hand up to anybody like that? God bless you. I know your hearts are heavy and broke. I know that. But at some point, we need a church that goes to 2 Corinthians 4.13 and says, I believe God. So I speak. Now, Paul was a preacher. You may not be. 
All of us are evangelists. Don't, don't count yourself out. You're supposed to be sharing the gospel with someone. When Paul says, I believe God, so I spoke, it means that Paul said, I believe that God has called me to speak. And so because I believe God, I will do what he's called me to do. Even though I'm pressed, I'm crushed, I'm knocked down, I'm hunted, I'm these things, I speak. Your I what might not be the same as his, but your statement should start, I believed God, so I taught in the school that God called me to teach in, even though it was difficult. So I stayed in the marriage that God had called me to, even though it was difficult. So I interviewed for a job that I did not find myself qualified for because I believed God. So I went, so I did, so I stepped out, so I tried one more time, so I auditioned, so I gave him my heart. I trusted him. What is the rest of your sentence? I believed God, so I what? What is it you need to do? what could be done and how different could life be if the very first sentence of you and your hopes and your dreams was I believed God is there anybody that maybe if it's the first time you've ever given him your heart would sit there where you're at and say I believe God so I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior I believe so I I accept salvation knowing I'll see the results later I'll see what it brings I'll see the lesson I give him my heart. And if you've never done that right where you sit, the Bible says if you believe, all right, you confess openly with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so right there, I believe God. So I give him my life. Maybe that's the statement you need this year. And maybe somebody else says, I believe God. So here's my family. I believe God. So I'll be a missionary to Africa. God, I can't run from this any longer. And Africa might not be the fill in the blank, but it might be there for you. You you know who you are, if that's you in your life. You know what the Holy Spirit's tugging you at. I believe God, so I'll I'll teach in the children's ministry. I believe God, so I have a passion for greeting. I believe God, so I'll, I'll, I'll start this business that I've been thinking about for 10 years. Maybe it's time. I believe God, so I will act. And I don't know what the I believe God represents in your life, but is there anybody today that would say, today I'm going to make a statement in my heart, engrave it in my mind, signify it with my hand, and stand on it. I am going to shift my belief to him. Is there anyone today that will slip a hand in the air and say, God, I believe. I believe you. I trust you. And so from here on, I'm in pursuit. From here on, you're my boldness. From here on, you're my courage, you're my strength. From here on, I declare victory over the addict in my family. I see them clean, God. I see them clean. And so I will believe and care and go. I, I, I see my marriage restored. I believe God, so I will follow and stay faithful. I see your church in America thriving. So I will be willing to serve. If that's you today, would you slip a hand up in the air and say, God, here I am. I believe, amen.